This podcast is brought to you by Benjamin, a workflow automation engine that allows advisors to focus on their clients rather than data management. Learn more at getbenjamin.com. When you think about how you want to grow your business, think about who you want to help. Who are you called to serve? Who do you offer the most value to? And that way, you know, you can do your best work. You can work with clients you love and you can, you know, grow your business more naturally in a way that um, everybody benefits from. This week on Bridging the Gap, we are so lucky to have Claire Aiken, the CEO of Indigo Marketing Agency, joining us from beautiful San Diego, California. We dig into the basics of embracing our specialty and delivering this to our clients, something that we can all benefit from. We talk about leading versus lagging. We talk about utilizing your content calendar and building a content calendar. And we also talk about the importance of marketing you as a person, not necessarily you as a brand or company. Claire also breaks down the importance of balancing what advisors want to write about versus what our clients want to read about in order to be able to meet in the middle and create content both that we want to write about and that engage our clients. Claire is incredible. And this was one of those just awesome episodes that you're not going to want to miss. So let's turn it over to Claire this week on Bridging the Gap. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Claire Aiken, thanks so much for joining us here on Bridging the Gap, all the way from uh, San Diego. I mean, just around the corner from us here in Atlanta where we record these podcasts. How is it in San Diego? Probably beautiful as ever. It's great. It's 83 and sunny. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's awesome. And how you've been in San Diego forever, it seems like, or for a long time, right? Forever. Yeah. Yeah. I went away to college and then I came back. I got my master's degree at UCSD and um, yeah, it's hard to leave. So maybe, maybe someday I did a brief stint in Texas for six weeks and I enjoyed it, but right back to San Diego. <laughs> so, <laughs> six weeks in Texas seems like enough for me, right? It's yeah. enough, especially when you're coming from San Diego. It's a, it is a tough place to leave. I mean, the weather and, and, and it's just beautiful out there, but I'm, I'm really excited about having you join us here because I mean, I, I'm always interested and our listeners are always interested in how to grow, right? I mean, that's like a biggest challenge that we always face. I always ask advisors, you know, what's your biggest challenge? What's your biggest challenge? And it's always growth, 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 right? I mean, we're in a business that we need to continue to grow. The thing that's so unique in my mind is, you know, there's so much opportunity, right? There's so many opportunities out there. There's so many people that need help, that could use help, that growth shouldn't be a challenge, but we are forced with it. So I'm excited to dive into that. How can we help advisors grow? But I'm curious just to start out, why'd you take the foolish route of coming to help financial advisors? I mean, we are crazy in our heads. Like, why would you come in down this path when there's so many other marketing shows? I'm just curious. Did you wake up one day, you know, when you're 15 or 16 and be like, I'm going to help marketing for financial advisors. How'd you get here? Yeah. You know, I think it's just in my blood. My dad's an advisor. He's been an advisor for 40 years now. And so I grew up helping him. I always, you know, I'm one of those kids that always wanted to work. And so I was always working in my dad's office, learning the business. I became an advisor after college. And then I uh, went back to school and got my MBA. Um, And it's just what I love to do. You know, advisors are smart. They're dynamic. They're always, you know, entrepreneurial minded and looking to grow their business and try different things. And so I love helping them. And I also really believe in the work that they do for their clients. Um, and I see firsthand how many people they help. 
you know, marketing can help us grow, but the growth comes from helping to share the stories of the value we provide. And, you know, we are in an industry where we make a huge impact, right? I mean, we, we may not be saving lives like doctors, but we're, we're creating futures and we're, we're creating experiences and allowing for people to have that precious time with their loved ones forever. And it's such a remarkable industry and feat that we're doing. I'm curious to your point, to your, as you sit in your seat, as you help advisors, you know, let's just talk about some of the basics. Like how can advisors just better share that insight and that value that they're providing? Because it's not about what you're investing in, in your portfolio. It's about the experiences and the lives that you're changing. Like how can we do a better job in that in the marketing front? Absolutely. Yeah. Ron Carson has one of my favorite quotes where he says, you know, every advisor wants to say that they, their investments do better than the next advisor and that they charge lower fees. And not only is that not true, but clients just don't care. And I think there's a big disconnect in what advisors think prospects care about and what prospects actually care about. You know, they don't care about your portfolio strategy. They don't care about uh, your fees in some respects. You know, they want to know that you charge, you know, a fair amount, but they care about the value they get from working with you. What is the emotional benefit they're going to walk away with? How is their life going to be better? How are they going to go to bed? Um, and sleep better at night? How are they going to reach their goals? How are they going to feel more confident about their retirement? And so it's all about instilling that confidence that you're going to help them have a better life. And that's what a lot of advisors haven't thought through. And so when you think about how you want to grow your business, think about who you want to help. Who are you called to serve? Who do you offer the most value to? And that way, you know, you can do your best work. You can work with clients you love and you can, you know, grow your business more naturally in a way that um, everybody benefits from. As you were talking, I was drawing out that picture. It's like, you know, what people care, what, what advisors think clients care about and what clients actually really care about. Right. And I think that that's so true. And I think inherently advisors know that, but it's hard for us to sell that and, and storytell on that, especially with regulation, which is changing a little bit with the marketing regulations, et cetera. But the only thing that we can really talk about is that we can have like data and analysis around is the portfolio returns. Like how do we get to that point? How, how, how do you help advisors? Or how do you suggest to advisors to say, this is some ways to think about sharing what your true value is, which is what clients care about. Because in marketing, you have to let them know that without sometimes talking to them, which is a tough part. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I'm big about, you know, embracing a specialty. So before advisors work with us, we're really focused on the execution of marketing. And so oftentimes advisors come to us, but they don't yet know who they are and who they are really serve and what they do best. And so it pays to spend the time to take a deep dive and figure out what is the main benefit that you offer your clients? What is the one urgent problem that you solve for a specific group of people? Why do people hire you instead of another advisor? What is the one emotional benefit your clients walk away from? And so we have a lot of different resources and programs and webinars and challenges, email challenges that advisors can use to help go through that process and figure out who do you want to serve in the future and what do you want to be known as? Are you the go-to person for divorce or social security or retirement planning for physicians? But you have to become an expert. You have to specialize. You have to know what offerings you have that are the most valuable for your audience. We've we've been talking a lot about marketing because it's a, there's this growth initiative, which I'm just trying to solve for advisors because, like I said, we talk about it all the time when I when I talk with other advisors. And in niche marketing, niche focuses is come up time and time again. I can't even count how many times when I talk to growth marketers and just marketers in general, how niche is the thing to focus on. 
I can see some of the pushback by advisors. It's like, gosh, I'm really limiting my scope to grow. Like, I'm, I have to go just with this niche, but I can help everybody. Like, how? Do, why not? Just like, it's just a little bit different. I'm just curious from your perspective, how can we help people overcome that, right? Like, get over that fear of not trying to be everything to everyone, which we all know we shouldn't be. But it's so hard to say no uh, to someone and focus on a niche and just go deep into that when we're all trying to grow as fast as we can. Right, right. And it really is a leap of faith and it can be a little counterintuitive, but you have to embrace a specialty and take that leap of faith, at least through your marketing. So it doesn't mean that you can't help your client's kid who's looking for, you know, to buy their first house or get life insurance. It doesn't mean you can't do those things. It just means from a marketing perspective, you become the go-to expert in your unique area of specialization and you have an A-plus process for that, whether it's helping entrepreneurs sell their business and invest for a lifetime, or if it's helping people, you know, go through your social security optimizer program to really deliver a plus service and a process that is better than anybody else's. You have to specialize. And I think that's where a lot of advisors go wrong is they want to be all things to all people. And that will not resonate from a marketing perspective. You know, it, it, you really got to plant your flag, right? You got to plant the flag and you got to stay with it. I think about like a lot of car companies, there's, there's some car companies that just have I've owned who they are. And I remember my business partner talking to me about this once when we were talking about playing our flag at our firm. And, you know, some firms, car companies, like they're trying to be everything different. It's like, who are they? But then you think about like, you know, Ford is like just Ford. Like, you know who Ford is. Like, you know who they are. Like Cadillac, like, I don't know who they are. Like, I thought I knew who they were, but then they've changed multiple times. But Ford just planted their flag and said, you know, we're going to be good. Like, I think of Ford, I'm like heavy duty trucks. Like, we're just good at trucks and we're going to be that way. And that's how people are going to remember us. We're going to sell other cars, but trucks is where our focus and our brand is. And that's what they've done. Whereas Cadillac was trying to be everything, everything. Are they an SUV? Are they a sedan? Are they like an EV? I don't know what they are. And to that point, that's what advising you do. You just got to take it and run and believe that that's the way you're going to excel and, right. and do it from your marketing standpoint. Switching gears a little bit, right? Marketing is tough, right? We've got to figure out our niche. I think that that's like one of those core topics of marketing that we've got to, that we got to tackle. Now, marketing technology, MarTech, has its own like little even tagline, MarTech. Like it's just expanding drastically. And advisors don't even know where to start with, you know, wealth tech companies, right? Because there's so many of them. How do where where are some of those technology companies from a marketing standpoint that are like essential to creating a ecosystem for advisors to be effective marketers? What would be some of those like core tech stack on the MarTech side? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's natural for advisors to become overwhelmed by their options. And my recommendation for advisors is to really keep it as simple as possible um, with something as highly valued as financial planning. So if you bring on a client that has 500,000 assets under management, it's a huge value to you. So it's not like you're selling widgets. It's not like you're going to have so many leads that you're only going to follow up with your best leads. It's No, you're probably going to follow up with all of your leads. So you don't need some of these technologies that will help with lead scoring and funneling things. It's you basically you're going to get a contact and you're going to follow up with them. So you really want to keep it simple. So of course you need a website. You need a content management system, which is within your website. That's how you publish blogs and things like that. And then you need a CRM. Believe it or not, I still work with advisors that do not have a CRM. And I can tell you that they don't grow as quickly and it's harder for them to follow up with leads and it's harder for them to close new sales. So you definitely need a CRM where you put in your prospects, your leads, your customers, and then you need an email marketing system. So you should be doing email marketing at least every single month um, and should be able to tell who's opened your emails. What's your email open rate? What's your click-through rate? Who are the you know people who open all of your emails? 
And from there, you need, of course, your social media channels. So you need Facebook, a business page, LinkedIn company page and personal profile, and then a Twitter page. You also need Google My Business. And then after all of that, I recommend having some sort of uh, data aggregator where you can review your marketing metrics from all of those channels each month. And so we use a company called Databox. So all of the advisors that work with us get a data scorecard. It's a lot like a portfolio snapshot. What did your marketing do the last month? How many people came to your website? Where did they come from? How many people opened your emails? How many people found you from LinkedIn? You should know at a minimum these basic metrics so that you can do more of what works in the future. I love that. I mean, I think it's like you got this simple core tech stack of your CMS, your content management system, your CRM, your client relationship management system, your your email marketing system, like a MailChimp, a HubSpot, something of that nature. Those should be working really seamlessly together, right? They should be connected, right? Someone fills out a form on your website, it should come to your CRM, then it should populate an audience or a list inside of your email marketing system. Like that's core. And then you talk about social media and you've got all these different social media things. We're going to talk about how to build content for all these because you need to populate it with something like your website and the, the, the CRM. But I, before I get there, you talk about data box and you talk about data. We're analytical in this industry. I'm always curious, the data, data can be a great thing. It can be a bad thing, right? Because you can analyze it and make all these adjustments based on like every week data. Like, how's it going? Like, oh, we got to change this. How do you suggest like analyzing data? Because you're getting so much like open rates and friends and likes and comments and leads. How do you analyze it? I know you talk a lot about leading and lagging indicators on that side, but how do you analyze it to where you're not making yourself crazy and you're not just like becoming this erratic marketer, right? What What's the way to analyze that? Right. So you have to understand that marketing for advisors is sort of a long-term process. So the leading indicators of success are more traffic to your website, more traffic from social media, um, more people on your email list. That is the primary thing is adding people to your email list. Because from the point that I get added to your email list to the point that I sign papers to move my account is probably going to be six months to a year, if not more. So you really want to be focused on the long haul here. And you know, I would look at your metrics once a month and understand what's going on, look for any big changes or any red flags or big increases, but really don't make changes before six months of data. So at six months, you're going to want to look at the content that you sent out the past, say, year, what performed best and what inferences can you make from that? Are your personal articles performing really well? Did people, you know, take a look at your retirement planning topics, but they're not opening anything having to do with investments? And then iterate your strategy based on what your audience is interested in. And then, of course, you know, you're going to want to just take a look with a marketing expert who can help you and point out anomalies. So how do you compare to other advisors? And we have a marketing scorecard that can show how you stack up versus an average advisor. And that can tell you, you know, how many people are on your email list? Is that good or bad? How many people are coming to your website? Is that high or low? So a lot of advisors are kind of on an island and it's hard for them to interpret whether or not they're doing well. The six month, I was, I was writing that question down as you're talking about that. What is the timeline? What, how long are we looking at trends? And it's six months. You know, that is such a nerve wracking time for an investment. What piece of advice would you give to an advisor? It's like six months, like you're crazy. Like there's no way I'm waiting six months to see if my investment of time and money is going to pay off. What would be your response to that? I'm interested. 
Yeah. So I think that you shouldn't invest in any marketing strategy that you don't see the value in for the sake of creating the content on its own. So like for Mm. our strategy for advisors, we're helping to tell your story, to do your marketing communications, to stay in front of your current clients and network. So for example, if the market dips 10% or more, we send an email on your behalf, reassuring your clients that you're on top of it, that they can contact you if they have any questions and also asking for referrals. Do you know somebody that needs help during this stressful time? So if you don't see value in that and telling your story and staying in front of current clients, then you shouldn't be doing the strategy at all. It's not, you know, no marketing strategies that are going to work for advisors are going to work quickly because unfortunately that's not the way people choose an advisor. They choose based on reputation, trust, getting to know, like, and trust the advisor. And that takes time. Yeah. It's building a relationship, right? You're building a relationship through all these different mediums, Facebook, LinkedIn, content, emails. So let's get to content, right? Like, let's talk about that strategy of build a relationship over six months or, or a year or, or two years, right? Some people could be on your email list for four years. What are some strategies to help advisors build content that shares their value? Like, how do we go about thinking of content? And are there different types of content that we should be thinking of and marrying them together? Like, what does that kind of whole ecosystem look like from your perspective? Right. Yeah. I know it can be so daunting to start and be like, okay, I need to, you know, do content every month. What should I blog about? What should I create videos? You know, where do I even start? The key is that we want you to be the go-to expert. You're the expert in getting a divorce settlement to last for someone's lifetime. You are the go-to person that your clients or their friends can identify in one sentence of how you help people. So Mm -hmm. you're positioning your content around that. Like I help independent financial advisors with custom marketing. Now that's something that advisors can understand. So you want your value prop to be clear and build your content calendar around that. However, there are different types of content when it comes to creating your calendar. So it's always going to be a business that's personal. People want to know about you. They want to know why you do what you do. Um, So Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, Donald Miller's story branding. You're going to want to tell your story in a compelling and memorable way. So the way we do that is we basically create a cadence of content where we're doing one more personal post and then one more technical post and then going back to the personal. So you may talk about um, the first article we always do for our advisors that always performs really well is why I became an advisor or why I started my firm. People want to know. Your clients want to know your story. Your prospects want to know your story. It's always a good story. I always learn about my clients through this process and it will perform really well for you and it'll make you memorable. So we always start with that. And then we start with basically how you help. You know, what is the one urgent problem you solve from your actual work of financial planning? And then we go back to a personal story. So it could be the one thing I would teach my kids about money or the biggest financial mistakes I see physicians make. So we go back to demonstrating your expertise and then we go back to, you know, the personal side. Throughout this calendar, you also want to put in at least two pieces a year where you're asking for referrals. This is really important because advisors sometimes completely forget this step. They don't realize that your network doesn't necessarily know that you're not too busy to help somebody. They don't know that you're taking on new clients. They don't know who you're taking on, who's the best fit for you. So you have to tell them on a regular basis, otherwise they will forget, what are the perfect clients for you? Are you taking on new clients? And how do they introduce new clients that may need your help? And so we send those uh, articles out for our advisors so they don't have to ask for a referral. We just do that for them twice a year. Yeah. It is so funny to me. Uh, you bring up such a great point. Advisors want to grow, but we tend to always forget to ask for referrals. We just forget to tell people we are open for business. 
right? Yeah, like yeah. that is, it's amazing to me. I think it's because we get so ingrained into just like the, the, like the nuts and bolts of the business that we forget it. It's, it's really crazy. So a question here, right? Content. So we have our content calendar. It's personal. And then it's like a, it's a direct, what show your value technical. How do you deliver this? Right. Is it always written? Is it always email? What do you see in the trends of like video and audio and written and short form and long form and uh, infographics and listicles? Like there's so many different little jargons. What works and how should people think about it? Should it always just be the same form or do you switch it up? Yeah, you know, I think the thing that works best is whatever you can commit to. So like for you, you're completely consistent with creating podcast content, which is fantastic. Of course, you know, video is going to be the gold standard for advisors. If you can get them on video on a consistent basis with high quality audio, that's going to be the best. Not every advisor is good on video and not all of them want to invest in the time it takes to do that. So the next best thing would be like an audio or a podcast. And then the next best thing is written form, which is still very, very good. As far as the length of a blog post, I actually just did a video on this topic, the perfect length of a blog post for advisors typically is around 600 words. So if you think about it, you know, if you're looking for an answer to how to tie a tie, you don't want to read 10,000 words. You just want to read something short. So it depends on the industry and the topic that people are searching for. Um, but generally around 600 words is going to be a sweet spot as far as the length of a blog post. It really depends on your audience. You know, if you're writing for business owners, it's going to be a different strategy than if you're writing for nurses. You know, if you're writing for nurses, you're going to want short more checklist driven things. So you need to know your ideal audience and how they like to consume information. And this is where it helps to go back at your metrics and think, wow, that checklist re worked really well, or that webinar worked really well, but this long form blog post didn't work so well. Mm, yeah. You know, 600 words, that'd be tough for me. 600 words is, I have to, that means I have to be really concise with my words. I tend to talk too much and write too long. I love that. It's like the video podcast written, like, like if you can get good at video, you're going to win. And I think that video is so good because it's got the audio, they can hear you. It's got the visual and it's got the content, it's just like the, the, the triple threat or the hat trick, I guess is what they would call it in, in hockey or in soccer. So personal brand, Right. This is a personal brand business. I'm actually curious on this because I've talked to some other advisors about this and I'd be curious on your standpoint. I think that some firms come into the business and they market their firms as opposed to their people. And I think that that's a tough sell because people don't relate to a firm. They relate to Coca-Cola because they know Coca-Cola, but they've been around for hundreds of years. But they don't know XYZ wealth management firm. So do you see the same thing? Like, do you see firms that like tend to just market their firm as opposed to a person in the firm and they have a really difficult time or, or what, what's your view on that? Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about Coca-Cola is they're investing millions of dollars to do influence and influencer marketing to put a face with their brand because people want to be influenced by people, not by corporations. And so, yeah, I, I see a lot of advisors who want to market their brand and I understand why, right? You want the longevity, you want the transfer of trust, you want the goodwill that you're building to go with your brand so you can eventually transition out of it. Maybe you have a team that you're trying to generate leads for your team of advisors, not just yourself. So I understand why. In that case, I always try to reiterate that, you know, people want to consume content that comes from a person, not a brand. So even if you want to have your authorship for your articles or your videos, or your content rotate between the top advisors at your firm, that's much, much better than having an email come from XYZ advisors and be written by some nebulous, you know, concept of a, a brand. So wherever you can put a face behind something, make it more personal is just to build that trust. So let's talk through that, right? So we've got a firm, they've got a face that wants to be behind it. It's personal, technical. 
what other things that do people need to think about when they're building their personal brand? And other than it's going to take time, right? Like, I mean, you're building a relationship without talking to the person. It's going to take a longer time than it takes to build a relationship when you talk to them, which takes a long time. So what, what other pieces of advice do people need to think about as they're building their personal brand, as they're going forward with that? What are some things and tips that we need to think about as we do that? Yeah, I think one of the things that you can do for your personal brand is just to become memorable. Figure out one thing that makes you memorable. So for myself, I named my firm Indigo Marketing and I always wear blue. I'm wearing blue today. I wear it like my whole closet is blue. <laughs> I stole this idea from a gal called Mary Beth Kuzmeski, Red Zone Marketing. She works with independent advisors. She's fantastic. I saw her at an LPL conference probably 10 years ago. She was wearing a red suit and everything on her branding is red and her company is called Red Zone Marketing. And you cannot forget that. It's just such a cool, you know, easy thing to remember. So think about if you could develop for yourself something very memorable, something very easy to remember, and just keep that consistent. And then, you know, on an ongoing process, you know, figure out some something where your values and your process and your firm align. So Bo Henderson is a great advisor down in Georgia, and his firm is called Rich Life Advisors, and his book is called Rich Life Retirement. So weave your brand throughout all of the content you promote and have some kind of, you know, shared value through all of the messaging that you're creating. So do you wear anything other than blue ever or no? Just all blue. <laughs> In my personal life, I try to, but even my kids okay. wear blue. It's just like something that's become innate. <laughs> I, I do love that idea. I think that, you know, I think about like Michael Kitsis, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, you know, I think he's done amazing. He's just a, such a great advocate for our industry. And, um, you know, he wears a blue shirt, blue shirt, black suit all the time. All the time. Yeah. And like, you know it, you know, his look, you know, you know, you know, what it's going to be. It's very consistent. It's memorable. You know, I've, I've tried that. It's hard. You've got to stay consistent with it, right? You got to create that brand of something that you believe in that you can stay consistent with, but it works, right? It, it works. And whether, you know, one of our firms is all about helping families find happiness in retirement. Everything's about happiness, 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 happiness. And that's a brand and that's, and that's, but it's been consistent. So one thing and then I want to flip to our, our, our kind of final couple questions. You've been so kind. You're going to provide a, a checklist to our advisors uh, or to our advisors that are listening to the podcast that is a marketing checklist. What are some of those things to think about on the marketing checklist that you should be like always be thinking about that would be on this checklist that they can download? We're going to put in our notes here of the podcast. Talk to us about the marketing checklist and some of those things that advisors can utilize. Yeah. So one of the most common questions that I get is what should I be doing from a marketing perspective? And it's really impossible for advisors to know because a lot of advisors get pitched, you know, marketing schemes that may not work. And so maybe they think they should be doing Google ads or Facebook ads or webinars or writing a book or social security workshops. I mean, what should you be doing? So I've developed a list based on working with thousands of advisors of what the top advisors that are growing their business and are well-established, what are they doing from a marketing perspective? And it's 20 things, you know, it starts with having a website that's mobile, responsive and secure, you know, sort of the technical basics. We go through kind of that MarTech stuff. And then we um, go through, you know, how you are are communicating your value, your branding, and then even into some things like what are some key options that should be on your website? You should have a calendar scheduler so people can schedule a call 24-7. You should have a, a statement of your services and your fees. And there's different ways of doing that if you're not quite comfortable publishing your fees. You should have a sample financial plan. You know, what are people going to get from working with you? And then you should have some client profiles or case studies or what are the type of clients that you help and how do you help them? That's a great way to allow prospects that are going to be a good fit to self-select. 
So if you have a beautifully written profile on you know, how you help pharmaceutical reps to consolidate their 401ks and invest a lot after a banner year and retire 10 years early, and that's what you do, if you can write that out into a story with an actual person on it, it's easy for them to read that story and say, wow, that looks just like me. I need to work with this advisor. That's what I want. So the checklist goes through all of these key things that you should feature throughout your marketing. I love that. And they'll be able to find that in the notes. So much good stuff on that. And it's just like some of it's basic, some of it's not. And that's what's great. And as you're talking about the website and, and weaving that story in, I just think about it. I've looked at a lot of advisors' websites and you know, some, some advisors are like, hey, we help high net worth people with their finances, with their wealth management. It's like, okay, um, like, am I high net worth? Like, or am I not? I don't feel like I am, but what do you consider high net worth? And those just tend to fall flat. But the ones that are like very specific, like we are helping engineers engineer financial plan towards retirement. Like we are helping CEOs of engineering companies. Like the more specific you get, it, gosh, it just resonates. It's like, all right, I fit or I don't fit. I'm not going to waste your time, which means that you have higher quality meetings, higher conversion rates, and you're going to grow better. You're just going to become the person. I, I, I think that, that I love that. I love that. Do you help with like writing content on the websites as well and all that type of stuff, helping people understand building that content out? Absolutely. Yeah. So when advisors come to us um, and they know who they want to go after, we help with everything. So we write their site, we build sites. We have a beautiful example website on our website that is a advisor that works with pilots. He used to be a pilot and he works with flight attendants and pilots. And so all of the imagery on his site is, you know, commercial airlines and pilots and flight attendants. And he has beautiful case studies on there of how he helped flight attendants and pilots to retire early or, um, you know, maximize their wealth throughout their specific planning concerns. So yeah, it's once you can create the kind of the ideal of who you're going after and build a site around that, then it makes it so much easier for somebody to land on your site and say, wow, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. I've got to ask the question because I think everybody's listening to it, especially if someone's in compliance, listen to it. How do you set up, put case studies and stories on the website and get around the marketing regulations of testimonials, which is changing, I know, but how do you get around that? It depends on the compliance relationship that the advisor has. There are firms that will say, no, absolutely no profiles or case studies, but keep in mind, we're telling a story. So we're not talking about specific investments used or products or anything like that. We're talking about, you know, this client came to me with a concern of her husband just passed away and she wasn't sure how her finances were going to go forward. And she had two kids that were five years out from college. And so here's the financial planning process we went through to put her in a place where she is confident about the future. So we're not making recommendations. We're not talking about individual strategies. We're telling a story of how you work with somebody through their journey. Certainly, you know, you need to get it approved by compliance in advance. And we have had some of those kicked back. So I would basically what we do is we give you three examples to go to your compliance department with and say, will you approve something like this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Claire, this has been extremely valuable. I mean, I, I've learned a lot, at least on my side. And I love like the what the advisor thinks that the client wants, what the client actually wants, and and then also the tech stack and, and the plant your flag, right? We just got to plant our flag. I think that's so good. So I'm always in the, I, I, the, the reason I do these podcasts is to help advisors, but also just to continue to learn. I think we can all learn. I'm a constant lifelong learner. I, there's, I don't know any, I don't know anything to be honest. Like I still got so much to learn. And so one of the ways I do that is this podcast, but I also do it through reading. And I always like to get our guests to share, you know, some of those books that they're reading that we could find value. And I know you mentioned a few of them, uh, with start with why by Simon Sinek, et cetera. What's another book that you think that advisors and, and professionals could read and, and find value in and better themselves and and continue to learn. 
Yeah. So I did want to offer, I did write this book called The Marketing Guide for Financial Advisors. If you're an advisor that really wants to understand the philosophy behind marketing and some of the technical things, it's a quick read. I recommend it. So if you go to our website, we give away a paperback copy for free. So there's no, you know, no catch or anything. We'll send that to you. And I think a lot of advisors get a lot of value from it. Personally, books that I, I love reading about entrepreneurship. One of my favorite authors is James Altucher. He wrote a book called Choose Yourself, which is fantastic. He has a newer book called Skip the Line, um, which I think is just really, really empowering for any entrepreneur or business owner or person who is interested in marketing. And then I also like Ryan Holiday. Um, he's another kind of like entrepreneur type writer. And then Atomic Habits is probably my favorite book from the past few years. James Clear wrote that and it just it basically solidifies the concept of how daily habits can really catapult your life and how you really underestimate what you can accomplish in five or 10 years uh, with simple daily habits. I love it. You, I mean, you just music to my ears. Ryan Holiday is one of the, I, I love reading his stuff. James Clear's Atomic Havocs was one of the best that are out there. I'm, I'm excited to, to read Choose Yourself and Skip the Line. Those are going to be on my bookshelf here soon. So I'm excited about that as well. So the last question I have is, and I take it from Barron's. Barron's Conference does this all the time. So I got to give credit where credit's due. But what's one piece of advice that you think that someone could take away from this podcast and implement right away if you had to choose one thing that they could implement and be better tomorrow? with? Yeah, I would ask advisors to dig deep and think to yourself, who are your favorite clients? Why do you love working with them? If you could clone, you know, two or three of your clients and have a hundred of them, you know, what type of person would that be? And then flip that and think, how can I serve that client better and start improving your offering for that ideal client? And that's your first step to creating an A plus offering people can't compete with for this ideal prospect. Love that. Claire Aiken, it's just been a true honor. I really appreciate you coming on and joining us. And I learned a lot. I'm sure that everybody else that listened did and, and they probably want to continue to follow you. So how can the listeners stay in touch with you, follow you, work with you? How's all that work with you? Yeah. So just go to our website, indigomarketingagency.com. There's a webinar on there that should be pretty informative. It's called How to Grow Your Business by 25% Through Your Marketing. If you sign up for that webinar, you'll automatically get added to our email list and you'll get my marketing tips for independent advisors each week. Um, and then of course, you can request a free paperback copy of the book and connect with me on LinkedIn. And yeah, that's about it. Thank you for I having me. It. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Claire, it's been so fun. Enjoy San Diego. Continue all the great work. Thanks for helping out our industry so much. I really appreciate it and appreciate your time here on Bridging the Gap. Stay well, okay? You too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 